It's good to see you, Mike, in the brand new studio, which people can't see because we're not recording this via video. Um, uh, this is John uh, speaking. It's been a while since I've <laughs> spoken to Mike in this way. We have spoken since we last did a podcast, but this is our special potential bonus episode of the Talk About It Mate podcast, the sort of purgatorial in-between seasons conversation to catch us up on the last... I mean, the last time we did one of these... I'll let Mike speak in a second. The last time we did one of these... I think it was still like pandemic-y, lockdown-y, or just coming out of that. And we were doing it via phones and Zoom and all of that. So yeah, uh, hello Mike, how are you doing? I'm good, John. I'm just very excited to come here and catch up and see all this gear and all these podcast equipment things. Yeah, when, when you say gear, it's, it's not kinky stuff, it is <laughs> microphones and, and cables. Like I've, I've not brought him into it, I call it the studio, it is a studio. Um, and it is an upgrade on our, on our previous shtick. So this is us leveling up, you know, if if Boris isn't going to help us, we'll do it ourselves. Um, and how are you doing other than being excited? Cause you know, it is exciting, but apart from that, how are you feeling? Yeah. Checking in. That's what we're doing. We're checking in. I'll check in with numbers these days. All right. Okay. This this is, see, this is an iteration. So what's the scale that you use? Is it a one to 10 or one to seven? We go for a simple one to 10. Um, So I did a group today and I was a seven and I left at an eight. So I've just done Pilates and I've done that for ages. So I'm saying a solid eight. Okay. A flexible eight. A flexible eight. I really want to do Pilates. Um, I've had this serious chronic injury. The first ever chronic injury I've had in my entire life of playing lots of sports and playing loads of football. And I've been playing football for like three times a week for the last four years, except during lockdown, nonstop. And I combined that with the gym recently, some like serious weightlifting. Like if you can't see me, imagine me huge, you know, <laughs> that's exactly where I am. Um, no, that's, 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 the, uh, that's not the point, right? But I had this annoy, like really annoying pelvic floor, glute, mm-hmm. absolute. I can't even kick through a ball at the moment, and so I've been thinking about getting into Pilates to, like, stretch out all those tendons and bits of whatever, so that this kind of thing doesn't happen again. Because I feel like I'm only just getting over it, and I started feeling it maybe in March, right. April. But I kept playing. That was the problem. Anyway, um, eight's pretty good. Eight's very good. 80% of perfect, which is brilliant. I would say um, right now I'm probably like, yeah, I don't want to say seven. I'm probably an eight. Um, I, 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 it's been a weird few days in the sense that I think when you're on your own in this working from home culture, it can, you know, even your best, like even when you're doing stuff, you can still really only feel a certain level. So I've been like moderating, modulating around a six, seven, mm-hmm. whatever. But yeah, uh, it's good. We're both coming into it with relatively good energies. Maybe that's because we're both in the room together for the first time. Well, that's lifted. I think that's lifted it a bit. Like when you go into a new place, like you said about working from home, like when I, because I get to go out and do groups and and workshops and stuff and when I go to a new place it kind of puts me in a better place yeah I think I <laughs> absolutely and that's the thing like I'm torn between laziness of loving yeah if my employees are listening getting up at like two minutes to nine and that absolute truism of like when you go somewhere it gives you a new energy and a new focus so I think picking up on that because mm. I've asked Mike to come and, and do this recording because 
Uh, we are planning new things for Talk About It, mate, in the future. We've got, you know, a studio now. Yeah. And we're looking to keep going with some of the excellent work that we did around the podcast and, and some other types of media potentially down the line. But for now, before we get into the nitty-gritty of planning this, I thought it'd be really interesting for those people still super engaged in Talk About It, mate, to, to hear from Mike particularly, although there are lots of other people still involved in the running of Talk About It, mate, in all sorts of... Uh, we have new directors, and I know that you know y- your wife is still involved very much so. Hi, Laura, in in running the organisation, um, and there's been lots of things going on, lots of people supporting the facilitation and walk about it, mate, still going strong, etc. But in terms of hearing directly from you about, I mean, I can't even remember when we last did this. Like it must be nearly a year ago that we conceived to begin again in ten. It must be, it must be something like that. So about a year, yeah, about a year. It feels like both the longest and shortest year of my life because it's that transition out of lockdown and pandemic type stuff. But yeah, since we've, since the last season, ideally of the podcast, but as a good line in the sand, if you can't think of everything that's happened since then, like we made a transition or, or you made the choice to make a transition yeah. away from online groups back into physical groups. And yeah. it'd be good to just hear about what you've been up to, why you took that decision and how that's going. Yeah, well, I think mainly because uh, I was personally I was very zoomed out. Um, you know, I think we did a, we were very prolific with how much we did online, and when we were allowed to, even with restrictions, get back out and in the community, that's what the original plan was. So we we for a while, what was good, we were able to keep online, and then I was to reintroduce the face to face groups that I planned originally pre pandemic. Um, but for me, I found very quickly that's where, as a facilitator, I belonged, you know, out there in the community centres, in the wherever. And so I think it was about a year ago, probably longer, we got uh, funded for the Levenjum group. And that that's a place close to my heart anyway. And that was a really special group because Thursday nights we built up a really good group of guys there. And, and, and it was challenging in a good way you know like people really really challenging each other's perspectives and and yeah that grew and grew and then that led into yeah a Gorton project and then that Gorton project led into a sulfur project so there you know there are real like heavy hitters now that that keep us going and and you know they're funded projects and it's built on what we've done online but more so that's why face to face is I just think we're, we're more effective that way because you can really get more of a buy-in as well uh, and often now we get longer to do the session so it's not like a two-hour session it's you can break it up and do different activities and like icebreakers and a bit of education and, and for me it's great to get my teeth into that because I don't do this I'll never do the same thing two weeks in a row yeah I, I mean that's I'm kind of jealous from a facilitation perspective because obviously I did a lot of facilitation in that online capacity um and and i did i've done some i've done a few face to face but yeah this new way of working where you've got the time and the space to try different things i think i'd be quite intimidated personally as a facilitator to to take the lead on that and do those things with the kinds of groups that you've described to me and we can go into that in some more detail but it'd be good to hear about um yeah, you, you briefly touched on it, but the specifics maybe of like what kind of work you're doing in, in each group and um, and if there's anything else outside of those three groups that you just mentioned that you've also been doing or like not even necessarily peer support, but just things that talk about it may have been 
engaged in. So if we start with, you know, being structured with this, if we start with like, yeah, talk. if you could talk some more about what you've been doing specifically in those groups, that'd be great if for anyone that's interested who's listening. Yeah, to, to begin with, say for the 11 June one, we basically just took what we were doing online, did it in person. That was the original plan. So you have your hour, your 50 minutes or your hour for the peer support, which we've obviously done on this podcast. So... But we, what I what we did then is because we were in a physical venue, we'd make it an hour and a half, and then you'd have time at the beginning for refreshments, and 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 it's just that little barrier at the beginning where I say barrier is not the right word, but like it softens people into the group, and then which I just we found that some of the things that we were doing there very very quickly because some of the guys that we came had been online and some were brand new, it was deep, it was quite deep, quite quick, but and this is the advantage of having not massive groups either. You know, if you're going to a group with like 12 people, you kind of, you don't get as much of the time, which isn't always a bad thing. But like if you've got six, seven people who are really like digging in and giving a lot and and listening really respectfully, then that was, it was a a bit of a magical group, that one. Uh, And then, then kind of it started probably New Year 2022 this year. Um, The Gorton one, because we'd kind of got some interest in the Levengeum area, we then made some contacts um, and the people who were funding that said, why don't you go over here? And they said, right, you can fund it this way. So we got, a fi- I think it was about a 15-week project, which was Manchester Wellbeing Fund. So again, that filtered down from the NHS. So this time, because we had a bit more, we could. I thought, right, well, let's make it two hours. And within that, you get your refreshments and stuff. But kind of the first hour is a kind of coming in and a bit of other activities. Because I, I think for me, of bringing in my, my teaching stuff, which I like, no, you know, no two weeks are the same. And then the second hour being the, the peer support. And it, it worked really nice because even then we could start getting, so we've stretched peer support into something a little bit different, getting guest speakers or getting, like we had a massage workshop, we've had people come to talk about cancer, we've had people come to talk about different things. Um, community connectors would come in who like have referred people into the groups. So that worked really well. And then as that was coming to an end, I was like, oh, let's do it again. Oh, funding's run out. But then the Salford project started, which is around my doorstep, and they funded that for a whole year. So, you know, it's it's that's two two hours a week, same same concept, but we've taken that on and done more. And I think really we could only accommodate fifteen guys, and we're nearly there at fifteen guys every week now. Like, and you know, done one today, and it's it's great because we can start to filter guys into our walks. Also, you know keep they keep in touch with whatsapp groups so it's basically like new but also like it was at the beginning of the pandemic when everybody was making those connections but in new groups so you know they might not have been linked up with the rest of the community but they're making that little tight bond with people and, and the good thing about that is i was like for example i was walking the dog this morning and i saw one of the guys i was in the shopping center i saw one of the guys so people are local and it's um so you can do more in the local area I guess that was the thing when we were doing the online groups is it was, it started regional, but it grew to be almost an international community of people because of the very nature of it. And I guess you always, I say you always, you did talk from time to time about how you missed that regional, you know, interaction almost and the effect that you could have in in the space that you were based really. Yeah, yeah. That was it. Like I thrive off face to face, but like I love. It surprised me more than anything the online stuff, because the fact that say that big WhatsApp group is still going, it 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 taught me a lot. And you know that 
it was great because some of the online groups you could get guys coming from Belgium or you know people coming from Germany to the women's group and you're getting all these fantastic perspectives but I also like kind of going out and and but I think the one thing that kind of bonded as you say was being in the pandemic and as we've come out of the pandemic I think that's changed a lot of people who were interacting that way are happy to kind of keep in touch via whatsapp but but because of our lifestyles to be attending online groups once twice a week isn't really part of our kind of timetable these days like so uh, the focus has gone then then onto people where the need is so you know people say there's me- this mental health epidemic you know a lot of people were struggling in in lockdown i feel because their needs weren't being met but have been able to meet those needs uh because they've been able to get back into their old network start playing football again start going out with their friends again however now i found that there's a massive group of people that i kind of didn't have anything for two years and that's really struggling and they haven't really got anything now and so i've noticed the shift now is that it's loneliness number one over mental health mental health obviously is intertwined with that <clears throat> but i've been reading a lot into this and listening to audiobooks and but it's what you actually see is that people have had two years of just being cut off from everybody and to then be like released back out into the wild it's like especially in salford because i had loads of referrals and they didn't want online meetings they wanted face-to-face meetings and there's no coincidence that it's grown very quickly and the friendships and like they because they're just desperate to get out there and there's not enough of it but that's another conversation for another day how we can get more of it out there because unless the people who can make those decisions are listening then you know there's only so much you can do who knows maybe they will in in a matter of time i i agree that i think isolation and loneliness have always been an issue but obviously exacerbated by the pandemic. We don't want to keep banging on about the pandemic. I think it's really interesting to hear about how quickly you and Talk About It Mate have mobilized to really attend to the things that are pressing and regional. And I there's there's a, there's, there's loads to to talk about because I know bits, but it'd be good to press a few things more particularly. Um, is there funding in the pipeline for new projects aside from the Salford one, which you mentioned is going to be going on for a year or is, is that the current funded projects and, and there's, there's, um, are you working on, on more potentially? Again, it just depends on what's out there. So, you know, obviously national lottery do funding, they cover a lot of core costs and because of the online groups, maybe not being able to do as many as we had done before. A lot of that has gone into like one-to-one meetings. So like, I'm doing, I'm meeting five, six people a week, one-on-one and, and, you know, going to community cafes and like, you know, and I think that that's a completely different kind of peer support because it helps people in groups who are just bedding in because, um, you know, they might not share with the whole group, but then they start to share with what, you know, the group facilitator and it builds up a lot of trust, but it's still a bit snapshot as a small organization because you'd like to go for every pot of funding here, there and everywhere, but unless you can deliver it, so I'm learning a lot about, um, you know, budgeting it and costing it. And, and there's lots of these scales. And that you, you, as a financial man, like a numbers man yourself, the, if you can show that the impact of what the uh, this has had, it's worth like money on a scale. And if it's a cost value, something it's called. So I'm learning all this with the entrepreneurs training. But there are a couple of parts, but they are they aren't as available as as they have been i don't know and a lot of the time there's people want collaborations 
and then um, understandably organizations like nhs will work with bigger but more robust organizations who they've worked with before but there's something to be said about all these little organizations who are doing amazing amazing work so the way we do it is we kind of team up with somebody or little organization who's got a venue for example and then you've got a co-produced thing so the but the main thing that's helped is the development workers as an organization like ours who started from scratch with no support and we promoted everything what's changed in the last six months is i actually have people who emailing me and calling me all the time with referrals to come into the group so the people you know they 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 find them for you and you know as you know me i like doing everything myself i'm a lone wolf i don't like relying on anybody because you'll only get let down you know it but it's that's not the case it's it's great because they you pick you pick up the phone and say right john uh i don't know if someone's told you i'm going to call about the men's group oh yeah i had a chat with dan yesterday about it and it's already like really easy then to say come down get a brew you get your sandwiches I like and we had a couple of new guys come today and you know you meet them and they go in and they're always nervous and then the group just kind of welcome them in and so referrals is is a way of making sure you're going to get your numbers filled um because obviously we did a lot of projects for free and 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 funded projects but you're not going to get loads and loads of people which isn't a bad thing because i think numbers is, can be very misleading in this game but um with this you know we're pretty much getting the spaces filled because they're referrals and and they need it. Do you know, like, <clears throat> where mental health was a kind of thing that everybody got on in lockdown because it was really important to have that camaraderie and teamwork. But I'm working with people now, and I think it's a, it's a, just the gratitude that, like, you can tell that they love being there. And, like, they, they're like I'm definitely going to be here. Won't, like, I've had one guy who's been to like, every single meeting, and it's like, I don't know, for me, that's great because... You're not having any of those worries that you're going to show up and like there won't be anyone there because if there's less than three people, it can be quite tough. You know, not that ha that happened. We're quite lucky that ha didn't really happen very often. But um, it's it's just nice to know you've got something you can say. Right, I'm going to be working with like 14 people today, so I can prepare for that uh, and and change it accordingly. So yeah, it's really nice. That's that's the main change, I think. And uh, I mean, it's great that these things are going. That was always the problem for us. Always the difficulty was almost like the marketing side of it, particularly in with no budget or real. Uh, I mean, we had like the wonderful ed supporters with like a whole style guide, but yeah. then we still missed that ability to implement that experience of doing it. And it was also, again, it was not it was not a, a normal time to be promoting such such a group. But, you know, if, if people are listening to this and they didn't know the origins of talk about it, mate we managed or you managed one physical group before the, before the pandemic and the lockdown before we sort of had to start again yeah. really so um it was it, it was not a usual time to build an organization and the fact that it's been over two years now two and a half years nearly since that moment and i know talk about it mate it was going longer than that you know must be three or four years now since you really sort of kicked it up into gear and got it going to be where it is now, where people are organically sort of coming to groups, that's a, a massive development. But I know that that's not the only kinds of things you've been up to. So like in terms of workshops and talks and outreach, like it'd be great to just hear a bit more about what you've been up to in that respect. Yeah, so obviously a, a lot of people know me well. The the idea is obviously to pro pro provide community support. But as, as we've 
you know, evidence with the last thing, that can be really hard to come by. There's loads of amazing people out there who want to do good work in the community, but there, there's not an unlimited amount of money there to do that. So, you know, unless you do it for free, which I have done it for two and a half years for free, it's very hard when you've got to cover your costs, certainly as an organisation. So one way as a social enterprise is, and, and people get non-for-profits kind of, kind of wrong in that you you want you are there you are a business you are there to make money so like no you know we've heavily invested in in the community side but the corporate side is something that you know was planning 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 um, and and i don't know but because we've got such a good community side it, it got us attention for a corporate side so um you know because of different groups uh, neurodiversity that was a good group you know then i was approached to do something about adhd as a pilot um in liverpool and been going there for the probation service and, and that's been great like you know and they've recommissioned that so it's like as a as the teacher in me i was like i'll give it a go but i'm thinking what why would they want me but obviously i personally i had to lean into the fact that obviously i've got adhd and, and I'm, I'm still getting my head around it but also the kind of things that worked in men's groups but also the kind of things that would work in workshops and stuff like that so every thursday i go to liverpool i work in two places i get chatting to the guys and and the good thing about that is is it's educational but it's not like sitting down in a classroom so like you can be doing a really good activity while playing pool or playing darts or playing table tennis or sat in the garden walking around Uh, like last week we kicked it all off again we were cooking breakfast and then we're doing some some like uh, facts checking about ADHD like you know or like information sharing and it, it, it and I said you know I think oh is this the way it's done but then someone said to me no it's a pilot you can try all these things out so you know and and there's a thing called so I talked to a guy like a mentor guy who did uh, first aid mental health first aid with some of our guys I said oh you know is this is this am I on the right thing and he said look with any workshop that you do there's a thing called knowledge blindness so he said like that's quite I'm giving this this tip away to everybody but you go into it and think oh everyone's going to be thinking he doesn't know anything you know which is obviously imposter syndrome or whatever but it's also a good thing to feel like you don't know everything because there's always something to grow but knowledge blindness in that like those people whoever you deliver a workshop to you know if they're not in mental health themselves for example they won't necessarily know what you're talking about so even if I've delivered it in 50 times um most of the people that I do deliver it to haven't heard it at all. So actually, because then I, it, it, that gives me reinvigorates me, gives me my confidence back. Because I think, even though I've done this fifty times, every time I do it, it's good. It's still relevant. It's still important. So we're on our second run through of this pilot, and I can just tell the second time that I'm doing it, it's been better than the first time. And it's hard because they've got to stand alone. If you don't know who's going to show up, but um, we've chosen good topics that are kind of general. And you know, kind of well-beingy activities. Some of them like CBT based, but really, generally, it's just getting the guys to talk about their experiences. But we, it myth busting with guys like that is we're not just here to talk about feelings. We're here to understand how our brains work. I, I'm dead lucky to have that. Like, uh, and if it goes well, it could be a, something else. But in terms of corporate work, and I do think, oh, corporate work, corporate work. It's not really my field. But actually, you're just dealing with normal people. I think for me that's something that I'm glad I've learned that just if I'm doing something online for a company or if I'm doing something with a business 
actually they're just normal people, just like the same people who've been coming to the groups over many, many years. And by normal, I mean like like everyday people like you and me, like who, who have good days, bad days, and everyone can benefit from doing some learning around their mental health. And actually I come out of it like feeling better. And usually I learn something from people in the group as well. Yeah, and I think it's easy to be cynical about those types, those that type of work, I guess. But actually, if you weren't doing it, then just, you know, you'd, you'd have corporate meets corporate and then that whole would be kept in that loop rather than bring in some fresh ideas and some fresh energy such as such as yourself, Mike, and talk about it, mate, into the room. I know that um, you've also done some outreach with students. Is that is that right? Or is that recent um, or some stuff through university in Salford? Yeah, we did something with Salford Business School last summer and then I did the launch scheme, which was really good, like a kind of incubator scheme for businesses. But there was one last summer, it was about like psychological challenges when starting your own organisation. And again, it's one of those like, what do I know about this? Then you look at it from a different, well, I've literally been through as trying to start a business myself and I've had lots of psychological challenges. So, you know, likewise, a business um, in Oldham, and they did like appliances and you know out of the blue you get this message will you do about mental health week red flags in the workplace and and for me i love doing bespoke things like that because i can take all the stuff that i've done before and i can come at it with i like a different brief every time uh so like psychological challenges or red flags and again it's that knowledge blindness thing like we most people know what red flags means but you wouldn't be able to name all like the the things that happen you know so it's kind of awareness raising which i hate that phrase you never do but like you're raising awareness but you're also following it through with actual actions and that's again i'm giving away maybe it's not a massive secret but there's not enough to actually give you things that you can take away and actually do this this raising awareness and it's not okay not to be okay that's so 10 years ago i'm sorry it is like most people have the ability to know that that's true now like you know i think the media's done a massive good massive job about that but like you, I think we have to also lean on our own self-awareness, our own talents, because look at the communities that we've got and, like, the people we've all got through these difficult few years by leaning on each other, but most importantly, by leaning on ourselves and knowing number, knowing it about yourself and then being able to understand how you feel and doing these check-ins all the time. That That's the first step, I think, to understanding yourself and managing your mental health because it's not... And expecting it not to be perfect every day, but kind of rolling with it. I just think that, like, you can do that in the workplace and take that away from into your real life as well. I'm hearing a lot there about... I'm hearing a lot there about, um, well, two things. Uh, This is where I would go if we were doing, you know, a beginning again in 10 podcast. But two things specifically around just do it, essentially. If you're worried that, you know... If you feel like you don't have the experience or skill set or whatever it might be that it, you mentioned imposter syndrome, but I think it's deeper concept. It's a deeper concept than that that you're explaining around, you know, the knowledge gap. And I, I, when I was listening to you say that, I was thinking of when I've been a supply teacher and I've had like IT or French on my timetable. And I used to be like, I actually taught modern foreign languages and IT. Actually, when I was a, when I was a contracted long term supply teacher and I'm a maths teacher or I was a maths teacher way back when but they were on my timetable so I was teaching 12 hours of IT and like eight hours of French a week 
and I used to go there and I, I used to be like, je peux. I speak a bit of French and I can use computers and things like that. But I was not skilled enough to teach those lessons. It was an absolute disgrace that I was teaching those lessons. However, the way that I reasoned it, and it's similar to what you said is, I know about pedagogy. I know about classroom management and I can learn this subject faster than they can, most probably, um, not all of them. And therefore I'll be ahead of them and I'll get better by doing it, which is kind of sim. It's kind of the same in some respects of what you're saying, but I don't want to sort of trivialize what you were saying. But what I feel from that is be courageous, which is always been one of the, it's always been one of the, the values of talk about it, mate, has, has been courage. And I think seeing that in you, cause like listening to you talk, there's so much that you've been doing. Like I know that, you know, even though we've not got there yet, I know that there's even more things that you've done. I think, have you not done stuff with UA92 and done some outreach there as well in terms of talking to their students? So, and you've done some stuff for some football clubs. I don't know if you want to go into that a little bit more. It's a quick one, those two. UA92, I think, because as a smaller university, they're quite, and you work in education, they're quite forward thinking in the way that they're trying to engage people from communities that wouldn't normally go to university. That's banging my wheelhouse, you know that. And that's my approach to peer support. That's why we've gone back face to face, because in the certain communities where I think it's really, really needed. So ethos wise, you go in there and you get a real good feel. And then the wellbeing team are brilliant. They've held a couple of really good events. Um, and yeah, they, I did something with their wellbeing champions last summer. And again, it was kind of a, a adapted version of what we used to do with the volunteers. And it mainly just to get people to a stage where they would just give it a go. Um, so I can't say speak highly enough of them. And I think we'll do stuff in the future with them. And yeah, just over the road at Old Trafford but with uh, Man United a few weeks ago. And again, to come in and do a wellbeing session. And there was probably only a handful of people there, but the depth that we were talking and stuff and, and it, you know making it okay for people to give it a try and show that courage and just adapt the way that they talk about it speaking from the eye all these concepts are things that we've already done and it's like you said about the teaching thing you you call on what you've already got and you learn it and and so for me going into a, a corporate or business environment needn't be something that i worry about actually because i'm taking my knowledge in there and I can adapt to being in that environment quicker than maybe everyone could adapt. Than you know, they haven't had the six, seven years of personal and experience and other training that I've had. So it's 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 for me. I'm starting to stand up and saying, actually, yeah, I think I'm a good option for these things. And and that's based on what I've done through talk about it, mate. So I owe talk about it, mate. To be honest, because all the people who give me, you know, an audience to to do peer support with, and also other contributors and volunteers and people who've chipped in i'm a bit like a sponge so if something works and it's really good like when you were doing stuff like i would take it and be like that's really good so i think that that's the way we all get through life isn't it but you've got to also do things your own way um and and i, I think i've got more self-belief in myself you know and like i don't need to be around everybody as much as i was before and that's helped me because when i do do stuff <clears throat> i'm i'm more I'm more pure, more myself, more energized. I 100% notice that energy in you. It's remarkable to me, the journey that you've been on, even just in the two years or so, well, it's been, like we say, about two and a half years that we've known each other this well, or that's grown, I should say, because we knew each other before that. Everyone can go and listen to mine and Mike's origin story if you go and listen to the previous season. Um, but listening to you across this conversation, the the level of the stature in which 
I can uh, perceive you and the confidence and the calmness in terms of the way that you're describing what you're doing and you're not aware as you're saying it just how much you know we've talked for about half an hour I think and that's been a sort of almost constant stream of this is what's been going on and this is how I've done it and this is what's next and this is how we funded it and this is who we're working with and these are the different types of that and one of the biggest call outs for that for me was when we first met I know that you were interested in potentially doing workshops and stuff in the corporate space but you definitely didn't seem confident to sort of put yourself out there into that community into those types of communities and go hey I can offer you significant value some of that is you know some of that is the fact that you're coming to the end of your your master's or your counseling course at least maybe not your master I, I need to get clarification on that um in a second it is what I want to talk to you about in a minute but like the talk about it make journey as well but Sometimes I think when you're going through a journey like that, when you're when you're growing, you're not aware of it in yourself because it's so incremental. It's every day. It's like checking the scales every morning. You're not going to see the up or down, depending on where you are in that journey. But you're not going to see that until you take some time away and you observe it differently. And I think listening to you talk like this, even from when we did the last season of the podcast, there's huge growth there. And I think if you know, if I was I mean, I'm working in a, not a corporate environment, but if your energy was to come through the door now, it would be very impressive. And I think when I worked at, you know, huge organizations, it would be a breath of fresh air because it would be completely confident and authentic, but very different in what it was about. And I think that's a real asset to you and to talk about it, mate. I'll take that. Thank you very much. I I think, yeah, it's personal growth. And, and like you said about checking the scales, if you constantly like analyzing the personal growth, it won't happen in a way. Like, I think that's what I used to do. It'd be like, well, I'm doing this. So, but because, because it's so varied and because you're just throwing yourself into things. Um, yeah. Like the corporate's a good example. Like I haven't gone like actually advertising and all touting for work because, um, everything's so organic and like, you know, certainly for the first year of this, it's like, well, I'll give this a try and give this a try, you know, and as one person, that's, I used to think, oh, well, I'm only one person, so I can't do all these things. And that mindset shifted is that, like, as one person, I get to do this, 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 and this. And the idea, I think, in the idea before, I wanted to do everything. So the change in me is actually the things I've said yes to, I've been really a firm yes, I'm going to dive into this and try. But I've said no to a lot of stuff and to a lot of people. And, you know, actually, it means the quality of, like, what you know what I've done is better I used to worry about being there for everybody or being on the end of the phone or you know and just I'd naturally my boundaries have improved as a person because I've gone from somebody who with lots of lived experience and somebody who who had a real passing interest in peer support to somebody with a great deal of experience in peer support and a great deal of growing experience with boundaries and, and theory and actually it's more intentional now so you can I can feel the I still, I still think, oh, I want to do this and still a bit of a people pleaser from time to time. However, when I pull back and say, well, what have we provided here? I can be, I'm a lot more sure of myself, the impact that it's had because it's not the first, it's not my first rodeo, do you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's more than not your first rodeo. You're, <laughs> you're an experienced cowboy now. I don't know if they're called cowboys. I think they are. Um, just one last thing before we start wrapping up this conversation that we've been having, which has been great. Um, you are soon to be 
practicing counselor, but I mean, I know you've been treating, treating, that's the wrong word. I don't know if it is seeing clients, but it's not far now until we can see Mike Richard, Esquire, Lord of, you know, in the books as a counselor potentially. And people can, I don't know, start, I don't know, tell us what your counseling career is now and will be in the coming months. Yeah, uh, hopefully I'll be qualified in about six weeks. Um, so I'm not taking a full master's. And again, you know, as mentioned before about saying no to things. Um, actually, for me, I've been itching to get going. Like, you know, at what point do you think you're good enough? Like, obviously you're good enough when you pass. But like, I've done 136 hours of, of practice on placements. And, you know, I've obviously done a great deal in peer support, which isn't exactly the same. But for me, you know, the people who I truly trust and my inner self I felt that I've been good enough to do this for a while so to stay at university another year and wait to get into business would actually not be serving my authentic self you know uh, so yeah hopefully I can go and I'm going to go into private practice and all the people and you know good idea for them is to go into you know a paid role with an organization or the NHS for me again that would not be the right thing for me and my lifestyle and my work at the moment so I can kind of work it around when I'm not doing stuff for talk about it, mate. Um, but yeah, I can't wait. I'm trying to think of a name and trying to think of, but yeah. I think gonna... Mike's quite good. <laughs> yeah, Mike. But like, you know, like you could have like a catchphrase or something. Hopefully I'm going to work out some of the community venues that I've got good, good links with, you know, and that might be able to keep the cost down for the people that come into it. There's lots of conversations to be had with, with, you know, mentors and stuff, but I just can't wait to get going because, you know, it, and obviously members of the talk about make community who know me already or we've been in groups together we wouldn't be able to work together because they know too much about me but if for people who don't that you know like we could have start a fresh new relationships but i, I think it it's that idea it's legitimate legitimizing is that the word legitimizing legitimizing yourself not that you always need to but sometimes it's like well, this is how much I could pay myself for this. But like when you're a qualified counsellor, like, hang on a minute, like your costs go up and it's not because like I'm greedy. It's because like, well, I, w I wouldn't begrudge another person charging this much for a workshop, you know? And it's like, for me, I've gone from trying these things out three years ago and people, I used to get messages on like Twitter, like, do you have even have any qualifications? Almost, almost being laughed off. Like, well, you know, I know you shouldn't, but that, that fuels you because when you get to the end, you think, hang on a minute, and, and who knows, I might go and do a master's in a few years, but then I might branch out. So I'll start as a person-centred counsellor, um, which is basically, you know, what a lot of work is based around. And if you think counselling is CBT, then really look up person-centred, if you certainly if you can afford it. Um, but And then branch out into other kinds of therapy, so I'm getting really interested in other stuff, so... Who knows, EMDR is a kind of therapy I'd like to experience. I've heard a lot about yeah. EMDR, yeah. Yeah, and it seems to be coming into, you know, coming into the mainstream a little bit more. Uh, there's loads going on, but yeah, I'll be doing lots of CPD. But um, for me, if, again, watch it. You've always got to have a niche because, you know, you all these counsellors have profiles. You've got to like the look of them. Everyone says that they work with everything. Well, I'm not going to go around saying I work with everything. I mean, my, I'll, I think I'm very, very experienced working with men. And I think one of the things that will give me a, a niche or a leg up is being able to work with neurodivergent people because that's what kind of I've been doing through experiences as well. So uh, I'm not saying I couldn't work with women as well, you know, and obviously most counsellors who qualify will be more than skilled at working with depression, anxiety and kind of things like that. 
But uh, I'm not going to go out there saying I can do everything. But I also think that once I build up a client base, um, and there aren't many uh, male counsellors, youngish male counsellors, lads in under 40, and there certainly aren't many working class male counsellors. Um, you know, I don't know why I said that with a posh voice there, but like there just isn't. So like it's quite refreshing to change the industry and, and, and I'll, you know, want to be out there and offering my services. Yeah. Changing the industry. I love that. And when he was talking about being working class, he had a cup of Earl Grey with his little pinky out as he, as he said that. No, not really. I mean, again, like speaking about your worth and feeling like almost like you deserve to be accepting the value of who you are now, you know, what people don't see, but I've been privy to and other people have, is just how much work and how difficult it is for everyone that goes through this type of training anyway, but just how much of a, like to do all of that and to maintain talk about it, mate, and to like go through a pandemic without, I remember we were both in a situation where neither of us were earning any money at a period. Like we were both just in the middle of this wilderness and we were both looking for direction. I remember going playing tennis quite a lot together. Oh, we should go play tennis. It's been a while. Um, what was it? We called it the battle of, I don't know what the part was called. Uh, Wimbledon's on at the moment. So it's on my mind as well. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we were playing tennis and we were talking about the future and what we were going to be. And I think both of us were so nervous about how things were going to work out. Like I was proper panicking about my career at that point for various reasons, which I don't know, maybe we've talked about before. But my life has kind of straightened itself out. I've been through some shit stuff since then. Um, but again, worked through it. Um, again, as you mentioned, just to, I'm going back and forth in my thoughts here, but you mentioned for those people listening who think counseling is CBT to look up person-centered, I can't recommend it enough. For those people that are already quite self-aware particularly, I think it's a really good modality to, to look into, but it's generally like a great way to frame and work through the things that are you know in your life all around like mike obviously could speak to it more but as as an experiencer of it who isn't a trained counselor i can recommend it but i think it's great to finish and reflect on this point because as we sit here now you're going into your full this is it potentially your career now this is this is something that i know we've both been teachers and we both tried things you've lived abroad and i've done drama school and we but you know we've wound that road and you found now it feels like you're young and numinous to, to put it like that the thing that you were put here to do if you want to use that phraseology the thing that you'll bring most value to your brothers and sisters in the world um by doing and i can't wait to see that and in the work that we've done together it's inspired me to really the energies that you've provided have really inspired me to crack on with stuff as well so i'm the reason this studio exists is because there are things that I'm getting going as well. So as you become a counsellor, I'm looking into the thing that we've already discussed quite a lot, actually taking practical steps to do the coaching side of stuff. So like, obviously, I, I mean, people who don't know, Mike and uh, other people have tried to persuade me to be a counsellor, but seeing how much hard work it is to be a counsellor, I decided to take the easy option and be a coach instead, which means you don't have to be trained in any of that mental health stuff. But you can do some similar, some similar things, um, just not as skilled in those particular areas. Definitely not 100%. Just want to say that. So I think it would be really interesting a year from now to be like sitting here as potentially counselor and coach, two sides of a 
two sides, not necessarily the same coin, but of our coin that looks similar um, and discuss how we found that because we sat there, we, we played tennis, we walked around, we taught quite a lot two years ago and you had a vision of where your future was going to be. But to see it play out in this way now, to be having this conversation is is great. It's kind of exactly what we were hoping for, I think. Yeah, I love it. I just love what you were saying there. And I think whatever you go into a coaching and counselling, like you say, two two different angles, but the key to it all, like I mentioned the connection before being, you know, loneliness, what's the answer? Connection is is relationships. If you can have good quality relationships, I, I, I find it hard that anyone in the world's life couldn't be improved by having better relationships with themselves or people around them. And, and, and I'm, it, as I'm saying that, like if I'd have said that two years ago, I'd have thought, how cheesy, how horrible is that? You know, because ugh, I was so cynical. But actually, relational work as a coach would make you an amazing coach. Being really good relationally is one of my biggest strengths as a, as a counsellor. And that becomes from the work I do in the community every day and the people I work with, I try to build a relationship. And and the, the thing I said about loneliness and connection, it, a lot of it comes from, you know, it's the last thing I'll say, that, that, that book by Johan, Johan Hari, Lost Connections. It's amazing. So I did a speech on a stage at like a buddy... I'll say, buddy, uh, men's conference or whatever, right? And, and the audience was much bigger than what I thought it was going to be. So I was like, I gave it some extra energy. But the, the thing that really kind of grabbed people was that, um, he's, you know, they say, like, the, the effects of loneliness, like, it, it actually are very, very physical. So they're saying it's like the equivalent of smoking 25 cigarettes a day. Like, that really hit me. Like, just being lonely and, you, you know, that it can harm you or the one that got me was the it's the equivalent of being punched in the face by a stranger now i don't know how they've worked this out but like like loneliness is bad for your health you know and and if you're not in touch with yourself or you're not you're not got good relationships friends around you or whatever the quality of the relationship you have with people makes a massive impact and for me I've probably obviously looking for something to kind of explain, to kind of justify how good the work that we've been doing over the last few years. And that was it because constantly we're making relationships with people. And like sometimes it can't always be with your friends and family. It's making new, new connections and new communities. And, And I think that's important. And I think when you see these relationships playing out and the pe- I can think of dozens of people, you can probably think of them through Talk About It, mate, who've been impacted positively through those relationships. That can be done, I think it's even easier to do on a one-on-one basis, like, because you've got, you're getting the whole time and attention for that person. And yeah, I look forward, to, uh, I insist that we meet in a year's time because I just think whenever you can fall back on, I don't know all this, I don't know all that. The reason why I myself and a lot of people said that you would probably be a good counsellor, as people have said to me, is because you're very good at building relationships with people. And trust me, there's people out there who aren't. Like, and, and that, you know, when you say about that authenticity being a breath of fresh air, so people pride themselves on how much they know. And I'm not saying go around knowing nothing, but not enough on what they've got. And that's being able to make relationships. And sometimes when you, especially when you go to the working class communities and you're working with these people who, some people haven't got much, but they've got that warmth and they've got that and it's it's just amazing and I, I absolutely love it like inject it into me like i absolutely love it probably finish on that note which is around you know believe in what you do have essentially and forget about the things that you don't you, you know that 
you can figure those things out. You can learn those things. There's always space to grow. And that's exactly where I see you definitely right now in terms of um, your career and your life and everything you're doing. But also just to end on that, you know, the warmth that's in people. I think so much of life has been a lot about disconnection the last, well, I think that that sense of disconnection has been growing in my lifetime um, for various reasons, not to go into that now, but I think the pandemic sort of was a weird paradox of physical disconnection, but everyone's realization the need for connection. And on that note, this is a good prompt for anyone listening. You know, if there's that thing you were thinking about doing, if there's that person you want to speak to, or if there's something you're feeling around loneliness or isolation, this is your call to action to go and do something about it. Uh, and you can end up just like Mike, you know, sitting here talking about the success stories that he's just listed for the last however long it's been, 50 minutes an hour or whatever. Um, so thanks, Mike, for coming around. Thank you so much for everything that you do. And let's catch up very soon. Thanks for having me. It was an absolute pleasure.